Today on the Zabecast, the Kirk versus Alex catnip was just too much for me to resist. Let's see how that deal is stacking up at the NFL quarter poll. Drew Olson joins me to talk Brewers, bad umps, and the worst team he's ever covered. All that plus Antonio Brown's flying ottoman and a squirrel that was told, no, no, you can't fly. Not today. Your essential sports talk day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Thursday, October 11th, 2018. Thank you for the download. I appreciate it. A lot of baseball today, and I am excited. So if you are not excited, just hit the delete button and join me tomorrow on Football Five Ways Friday. It only costs $4.99 a month to get the Friday show, which is jam-packed. Not only with winners, I'm 5-0 and on my locks this year, humble brag. And Mr. X comes by with his gambling advice, and he makes picks on the podcast on Friday. And we cover it from every angle. You are looking live. Mr. X charged college football and a fifth interview uh, that is of somebody in the world of football. So join me on Fridays, four ninety nine a month. Helps keep the lights on around here. I do appreciate it. And if it's not in your digital budget, no worries. Carry on. Keep listening Monday through Thursday. All right. I've been told that the, the app for the Zabecast, which you should download if you don't have it already, it is free. It is clean, it is elegant, it works really well, and it keeps all of my content nicely uh, you know, pigeonholed in one little square on your phone. I've been told, because I talked yesterday about how I was getting complaints, the college football intro for Football Five Ways is too long. TLDR. I get it, 90 seconds too long. I said, I'll cut it down. Somebody said, hey... Does that listener who complained about hitting the five-second fast-forward, five-second fast-forward, know that if you go into the Zabecast app, you go to the hamburger menu in the upper left-hand corner, that would be the stack menu that looks like sort of a hamburger. That's what they call it in the digital world. Go to the hamburger menu. It'll open up episodes, share, contact, alarm, settings. Hit settings, and then just look down, and it says skip back time increment, 5, 10, 30 seconds, skip ahead time increment, 5, 10, 30 seconds. Well, there you go. How about that? You can actually skip ahead. Now, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't shorten up the intro. I should. 90 seconds is too long, and I promise to do just that. All right, let's start with this today. I know you people are going to groan about it, but I found it a little bit irresistible to not at least look at the Kirk Cousins versus Alex Smith comparisons after a quarter of the season. I know Kirk has played five games, so that's a little bit more than a quarter. My math is really on today, isn't it? And then, of course, Alex Smith, after Monday night's game in New Orleans, which he was terrible, he has now played four. I saw a headline from thebiglead.com, and I uh, I understand what the big lead does. They have to get big, splashy headlines to get you click, 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 click. Henry McKenna is the author. He writes a good piece on this. I I give him credit. But the headline was like, the Redskins are really missing Kirk Cousins right now. Eh, maybe. You know the administration for the Redskins. They're not missing him. They'll never miss him. They'll never claim to miss him. I don't miss him, and I'm even a Kirk jerk. I've I've moved on. I really have. Uh, I wish Kirk well. 
I'm happy that he is doing well individually for the Vikings. The Vikings as a team have severe problems on defense and the running game and the O-line, but I'm happy for Kirk. Here's what Henry McKenna writes in TheBigLead.com. Under the headline, The Redskins Missing Kirk Cousins. I pick it up, third graph in. And it's not just in one game. On the season, Cousins has completed 71.2% of his passes for 1,688 yards, 11 touchdowns, and just two interceptions. With a 105.1 quarterback rating. Let me stop right there. That's pretty good, 71.2, 105 rating. There's a bunch of fumbles that occurred in the Buffalo game, of which he probably should have been more pocket aware, but whatever. In a lot of seasons, 105.1 as a rating would be off the charts. It'd be fantastic. It'd be like, tell it to all your friends, neighbors, put it in your Christmas card. In this year's NFL, where quarterback ratings or passer ratings are off the charts, it actually has room for improvement still. By comparison, Alex Smith has just 65.9% completion rate, 1,000 yards, which is, of course, lightened by the fact that he only played four games, not five, but let's give him 300 yards. He's still a full 300 yards behind Kirk in that regard, if you gave him a 300-yard game. Two interceptions and a 92.9 passer rating. While it's fair to point out that Cousins' stats are inflated with that extra game, it's also fair to say that Smith wouldn't close that statistical divide in one game, not even close, writes McKenna. Cousins is on a significantly better team with better pass catchers. He's on a team that has better pass catchers, yes. Is it a better O-line in Minnesota? No. And that's even with the Redskins' line underachieving. The pass catchers complement the quarterback's skill set. Naturally, Cousins is playing better than he's ever played because he's throwing to Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and Kyle Rudolph, among others. Well, that's what a lot of us said here in Washington when people were running down Kirk Cousins. We said, look at the receivers. They're garbage. Relatively speaking, I mean, Josh Doxson, last year was his best year. Oh, this just in on Josh Doxson. His heel issue that caused him to miss the game because he got stepped on in practice during a bye week. Apparently it's going to linger all year, so says head coach Jay Gruden. He said he's got got to go find another shoe, a new shoe that feels better. It's unbelievable. Last year's receivers, even with Doxson, more effective than he's been in any year so far of his injury-plagued and underwhelming career, the receiver stunk last year, and a lot of us pointed that out. But And then you became a Kirk apologist if you said, oh, yeah, you're just making excuses. Okay, well, now he's got real badass wide receivers, and you watch, Kirk Cousins is making some dime throws to those guys. Meanwhile, Smith, on the other hand, writes, McKenna has not looked anywhere near the thrower he was in Kansas City where he enjoyed the best season of his career in 2017. With Patrick Mahomes taking over that offense and looking even more competent than Smith, Alex Smith now seems like he was an impediment to the Chiefs' offense rather than a facilitator. Wow. Smith is usually death for wide receiver production as Paul Richardson, the leading receiver among the wideouts of the team, and is 62nd among all wide receivers in yards this year, can attest. While Richardson is not the best-known receiver in the league, the Redskins clearly thought they could turn him into a household name after giving him a five-year, $40 million deal during the offseason. I don't think we thought we'd make him a household name. I just thought we had money that had to be spent somewhere, and they thought he was a decent, sort of Deshaun jackson light type of player. And he may be good this year. He may, you know, 
the problems begin and start with Alex Smith, who is not a downfield thrower. You know, the lack of wideout production. Let's not forget, Smith presided over that unbelievable drought of 18 consecutive games without a wide receiver touchdown pass in Kansas City. That's a record I don't think is ever going to be broken now. A inglorious, ignominious record at that. A record you do not want a certificate like Drew Brees got. Hey, congratulations. That's 18 straight games without doing something that the whole league is uh, engineered to do. Throw touchdowns to wide receivers who cannot be touched. You cannot bump them. You cannot look at them. Stay away from them. <laughs> that was a that was a bad stretch for Alex Smith in Kansas City. Uh, Jamison Crowder also has averaged 53 yards a game with Cousins the last two years. He's down almost 15 yards a game. Actually, 20 yards a game. He's down to 33 yards so far per game this year. And the two touchdowns thrown to receivers this year for the Skins is only better than the woeful Buffalo Bills. On his career, Smith has thrown less than half of his career touchdowns. That'd be 75 out of 187. How's my math doing? 75 to 150. Uh, less than half of his touchdowns have come to wide receivers. Earning his reputation, writes McKenna, as someone generally hesitant to push it downfield and outside the numbers to receivers. 2007, last year, being a notable exception. Yes, personnel in KC, better than personnel here. I once thought that Jordan Reed was amongst the elite, elite tight ends in the league when healthy. I thought he was on the Gronk level. I thought he was on the Travis Kelsey level. I think a lot of dumb shit that is often wrong. Put that one on the list. So we'll see. Also, let's also give credit to Andy Reid. Andy Reid is an offensively genius, jolly fat man. He probably got Alex Smith tuned up into just the right system and scheme and plays that made him shine last year. And maybe Jay will get there with Kirk or get there with Alex. It has only been four games. I'm going to hope that, you know, Jay does that. He, in fact, referenced that this week in the aftermath of the Saints debacle. Got to get him in better plays, better situations. So far, though, it is not even close. Kirk Cousins has been the clearly better quarterback through four or five games. Before we get to Drew... NFL players can sometimes be violent, irrational people. Even the ones who are big stars with seemingly a nice, wonderful personality and lots of endorsements. It's quite possible that Antonio Brown is exactly one of those people. He's currently being sued over an incident that occurred in April in Florida in which he was allegedly so agitated that he began throwing furniture off his 14th floor balcony. Wow. Brown is being sued by both the landlord over damage to the unit and being sued by a man who was walking his 22-month-old child, less than two years old, on the sidewalk when he was nearly hit by the falling debris. I don't know if the lawsuit's going to succeed. It seems like a reach. They're claiming intentional infliction of emotional distress and assault. That's a bit much. If this is true, and apparently there is security camera footage that shows ottomans and vases flying from the 14th floor balcony where 
uh, the property was that I guess Brown owned or was renting. If there is footage of this, then it strengthens the lawsuit, but I'm not sure you've got any rights as somebody who was just nearly hurt by a crazy person person acting in an irresponsible way. That's for the lawyers to figure out, as they say. But here's what's going to be interesting. Let's say the security footage shows a, a, a vase, a, a missile, a potential deadly missile flying down and nearly hitting a pedestrian and a nearly two-year-old child. And let's say it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was Antonio Brown that did throw that. Well, Roger, care to jump in on this one? I think that should be a suspendable offense. That's crazy. You can't be throwing shit off your balcony where it can hit and kill people. Well, you know, see, I, I don't like coming out from underneath my desk because that, then I won't get hit by any flying ottomans. Thank you. Under the desk, Roger Goodell. We'll see. This could all be a bunch of bullshit. There might be more to the story. But for now, it looks bad. And this has been one of those seasons for Antonio Brown to forget. But he's still on my fantasy team, damn it. And he's going to get hot soon enough. He better because he was my number one slash number one overall pick. All right. It is Drew Olson time now. The Brewers are the darlings of October. The Cinderella story, winners of 11 straight, and they are ready in the Brew City for a big week ahead against the Dodgers. So, are you going to, Drew, be the official scorer? Have you been the official scorer for the postseason so far for the Milwaukee Brewers, winners of 11 in a row? I have scored my last game for 2018. Wait a minute. Why is that? Well... Because first, I'm a noob, and second, the guys who've been doing it have been doing it for 30 years, and if I filched one of the games from them, I would feel uh, the world's okay. biggest prong. So <laughs> I shall not. Filched? You'd feel like a prong. Yeah. You're the backup scorer anyway, yes, right? I'm Are the you... backup to the backup scorer. I'm third string. So you're third string. Okay. Do, yes. they, do they typically carry more than three scorers in any major league city? I don't, I don't believe so, no. Okay. All no. right. And so you're fine with that, because the guys who yes. have done their time have done their time, and this is their time. Absolutely. Okay, good. Who are the names of the two scorers in front of you? Uh, that would be Tim O'Driscoll and Wayne Frankie. And are they former sports writers? No, Tim's actually a Hall of Fame state high school baseball coach. Oh, really? And cool. Wayne formerly coached uh, high school baseball, and has been. Doing, they've both been doing it for decades. Very nice. What do they wear when they go to score the games? Business casual. So khakis. no, So no spikes and pants no, and stuff. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're dressed better than the average sports media dork, though. I'll say that. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. I was they telling their game. I was asking a baseball buddy of mine. I said, uh, "How do you feel about hooded sweatshirts on the managers in the postseason?" He said, uh, Meh, "I don't like it." And I go, "I don't either. I want them dressed uh, up." Our guy wears a hoodie every day. I know most and, of them do. And and listen, I wear hoodies all the time, <laughs> starting right about this time of year. All the way until it gets warm in the spring. Hoodies are the best. They're comfortable. That kangaroo pouch for your hands in the front, and better yet, for your keys, Drew, and your wallet and everything yeah. else. You can't beat a hoodie. Bone. That yeah. said, that said, I want my skippers in full uniform wearing the satin jacket circa 1985. Ooh. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. 
There was some talk uh, a while back that you know managers were violating the uniform code by not wearing their jersey under their hoodie or satin jacket because a lot of guys they wear those kind of rubberized things you know because you know there there are a couple of guys that were trying to lose a few lbs and they okay they, they're trying to look good or they were wearing what we used to call in college the htr sportswear line hide the roast <laughs> htr htr sportswear hide the roast sportswear hide the roast yeah, the roast being your big belly your big boiler yeah the your belly big, the milwaukee tumor if you will oh, um Jesus. yes if if people the, the guys they would wear those to kind of you know make themselves look better and but then it became like none of them were wearing the jerseys ever and it became a thing for a while at major league baseball you got to wear that and it's part of the uniform code but now no one cares they what don't, what year was that basically that this was probably similar. 10 years ago okay so when, when the hoodies first started coming around yeah how do you feel about postseason slogans you know and, and what are the cool. brew and what are the brewer what's the brewers postseason slogan? i think the official one on the merch is defend mke Okay. Now their hashtag for the club is uh, it's it's usually this, this is, is our... my crew. This is my crew, and it gives you the little Brewers icon when yep. you use it on Twitter. That's, that's the hashtag. This well, is well, that my was crew. for the regular season. Now it's our crew. Our October is their new oh new hashtag. New hashtag. But then the, will yeah, there the be a new say defend MKE? Will there be a new hashtag next year? Um, nah, this is my crew is probably see. A I huge like one. I like that. This is my crew. That works because obviously. The brew crew, right? Yeah. Yep. And 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 when you're when you're saying this is my crew, it is building up that affinity as Brewer fans for hey, this is these are my guys. You know, yes. I'm spending the summer with these guys, and so that that strengthens those bonds. As a marketer, as a as a former brief time marketer, Drew, I say that's a good slogan. Right? You were there. a telemarketer? No, I was a oh. I was a golf course marketing assistant. At Lynx Corp Incorporated in Northbrook, Illinois, for about a year and a half, maybe I believe. Uh, yeah, you, first you time the, guy the first who, time you, I stormed out of the radio showroom and said, "Dad, I hate this business. I'm out of here." You were the brilliant guy who said, um, "You know, half pri- half price greens freeze weeknights after five and a coupon for a beer after your round or." What was oh, I wrote the brochures, Drew. And so Ooh. I sat there in a cubicle at this little office in Northbrook, Illinois, and I wrote brochure copy for golf courses I had never seen and were likely municipal-level shitholes. <laughs> Go like, ranch. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Rickenbacker Golf Course in Columbus, Ohio. You know, uh, Rickenbacker provides an excellent challenge for golfers of all abilities. While maintaining excellent conditions year round, lie, lie, lie. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was good times though, and uh, I did that for about a year, and then I got I got sucked back into the business, Drew. Just when I thought oh, I was out, they dragged me back, me back in. in. Exactly. So this is big times. Are, are you excited for this upcoming series Absolutely. against the Dodgers? Absolutely. Yeah. The um, it, it's funny because the the Dodgers are really good. They can hang it on you. They got good pitching. So this is the battle where the Brewers are the last team in the tournament right now of the four left that really don't have a an ace or anything close to an ace. Right. And that may actually start one and maybe even two games of a series out of their bullpen. So it makes it fascinating. And as of Wednesday morning, you guys had not yet named a starter or initial out getter 
for Love game that. number one. <laughs> nope, haven't yet. Smart money's on Yolis Chassin, but God only knows the way they've been managing it so far. Who knows? And that's how you pronounce it, Yolis. Yes. Okay, good. Just uh, want to. I don't want to pull a Bob Costas and say, you know, uh, Jesus Aguilera. Yeah. That how bad was good. that, by the way? How bad was it that MLB Network got a lot of things wrong about the Brewers, saying things like, Craig Council drafted by the Brewers. No, drafted by the Rockies. Travis Shaw's committed 13 errors at second base. Wrong, not even close. Yeah, they um, there were a lot of inaccuracies. How do you no feel doubt. about that? I mean, this is and, Major League Baseball Network. Well, I used to get that because when I was covering the team, um, one, there were a couple. Of, they weren't very good for most of my tenure uh, as the Brewers beat guy, and then. Once in a while, they'd have a hot start, or they'd be playing at the break, and somebody was, would write a national story, and it would have three or four mistakes in it. And the guys would come to me and they go, "Hey, maybe you're not as horseshit as we thought." <laughs> you mean the ball players? Yeah, the players like, would say that. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're not as horseshit as we thought. Also, they said Wade Miley never played for the Rockies, and that he began the year in Double A due to injury, not because he was struggling on the mound. Yeah, that was a mistake. He was uh, on the DL. In fact, they that was one of the things where they were straight up with him, and they said, hey, if you want to leave and go pursue other opportunities, go ahead. But if you want to stay here, we want you. And that was like a crossroads moment. He said, I'm staying with you guys. Yeah. So do you, do you like your chances against the Dodgers? I would say I feel like the Dodgers would be a slight favorite, although the, it's offset somewhat by the Brewers having home field. Okay. You know, because you get the four games at home if it goes that deep. But the Dodgers are really good. These teams played seven times during the regular season. And the Dodgers won the season series 4-3. But two of the Dodgers' victories ended up with Eric Kratz and Hernan Perez pitching. So they each pitched twice against the Dodgers. One of them was a 21-5 game. Kratz pitched? Twice. Jesus. How was he? Uh, actually pretty good. Really? Yeah, he's actually pretty good. He, yeah, he pitched, and so they—that's how bad it was. They—they they, when they put it to him, they put it to him. Yeah. For so, those that don't know, Eric Kratz, the 38-year-old backup catcher who has been enjoying this Cinderella run in the postseason, and he pitched what? One inning? Uh, yeah, tw- uh, twice. One inning, twice. Yeah. We're seeing more and more of that, by the way, now. Oh, I told position, you this. I, I said on this players pod. Getting that, that, an inning um, or two. Craig Council told me that the numbers guys tell them they should be eating up like 35, 40 innings a year with position guys. Really? Rather than using your good relievers and, and burning that that you know that asset. Yeah. Just you could have guys throwing and, underhand and saying, sure, that there might well, be an easy home run, but chances are he's going to hit a sharp ground ball, maybe, and we're going to get out of the inning. That is um, like if you threw underhand, let's say you or I were just like, all right, just go throw some pitches. What are the what what would opposing hitters in Major League Baseball hit for just lob pitching? They still wouldn't hit a thousand. No, look at BP. He's still hitting to outs. Right. A 65 mile an hour BP pitcher would get outs. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, but the thinking is and here's where the delineation comes in. It's one thing when you're it's 18 to four. In the seventh inning, sure. in the eighth inning, sure. But the numbers guys would tell you if it's you know five to one in the eighth inning that you're probably you 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 know it's playing blackjack. It's it's poker, folding a hand that you're not going to come back and win this game. So you might as well save your bullets. And yep. managers can't bring themselves to do that. It's like, it's hard to in the in the top of the ninth. Yeah, you you think you can still come back 
even though the numbers the numbers say, say that you can, that you probably, you probably won't. won't you won't. could but you probably won't you know who's even worse at that is football coaches football coaches have no ability to pack in a game and say that's it we're not going to win because there's a a mythology and there is a tough guy factor that plays into football and it's so frustrating because like the other night Drew Brees is still out there in an ass kicking against my Redskins and the ESPN crew is like, well, I guess they just want him to get that 500th touchdown here at home. And I'm thinking, why are you even risking it? That's like the dumbest thing ever. I'm agreeing. Okay. Silently. Nice silent sorry. agreeing. Yeah, I just got, I'm sorry. They, no, I that's okay. distracted by someone walking by that was gesturing to me. And, <laughs> like, were can't they, you tell I'm doing they, a podcast? Were they, were they pulling up their shirt? Was it an attractive young lady? <laughs> it was. Does that sadly, happen in your office? <laughs> sadly, no. Okay. No. Not as often as it should. Not as often as it should. Uh, who is your current favorite brewer? Wow. Just a guy a good, well, you a guy you like for whatever reason. Doesn't have to be one of the best players in the team, just a guy that uh, you like. Or a guy's story that you like. Oh, there's a lot of them. But um, the emeritus guy know, is asking, Ed Cedar, the third base coach, because he's just the, the most affable, nicest, coolest guy right. to, to hang with and talk to. But uh players, playing wise, it's it's obviously Yelich. He's been fantastic. We we're seeing Christian Yelich do things at the uh He's performing at he, the second half of the season for him was Bonzian. Yes, it was, was. He's on his way to the MVP. People here remember that in 2008, when the Brewers ended their playoff drought, they got CC Sabathia at the deadline. He went like 11 and two, carried them on his back, was incredible. Pitched the last four times on short rest and was amazing. And Yelich has been better than that because he plays every day. Yeah, and he's a guy that's going to be around. Yeah. So he's not oh, yeah. not just a rental. So there's there's that uh, easy uh, bond that is forming right there with him as a player. Who is your all time favorite Brewer? Former, no longer playing. Who is your all time former favorite? Well, see, brewer? I grew up watching this team and then I covered it. So there's two different windows there. All right. Well, I'll let you parse that out into both. And then you who's know, your who's your all time legendary Brewer that you grew Robin up watching? Yount. Robin, Robin Young. Okay. Yeah, when you were a kid, More it was Molitor. either Molitor or Young. Yeah. And it what was, was it? it was more, what yeah. was the difference as a fan between being a Molitor fan or a Yount fan? Well, Yount was—he uh, came first, and he debuted and played as an 18-year-old. Okay. And so, if you were in your teens or you know, pre-teens, I guess I was, but uh, you, you just kind of bonded with him because it was cool that somebody that you know it was so relatable. Like right. he's the age of your brother or your neighbor. And you, you could like, oh my God, you know, this guy this guy can play the major league. It was just there was something about that that, you know And better and then, mu- better mustache. Yeah, that's true. And then when Molitor, when who Molitor actually did not along, have a mustache, Molitor was terrific and he was exciting and everything. But if you were already latched on to Yount at the time, it, he was like number one A or number two for, okay. for me anyway. All right. So uh just give me a prediction on the uh, series. Well, the hashtag around here for the Bucks is Bucks and Six because that was a Brandon Jennings um, prediction going into the playoffs. Okay, like against I think it was against the Heat. So you're going to go hashtag Brewers and Six? No, I, I'm actually oh. going to say oh. I'm actually going to say Dodgers and Six. Boo! I agree. Boo me. <laughs> you better not have that weak ass take on your show today. Uh, why, why not? Or is it too late? I don't sanitize. No, I haven't made any predictions yet. Okay. But I'm not going to sanitize anything. I so mean, I love it's good for business. In fact, I was told the other day if the what's good Brewers for business go to, going against the Brewers on on no, your show. No, it's good for business. The Brewers keep winning and give us more to talk about to no. avoid the shitty Packers. 
<laughs> By the way, I heard I heard from someone that tickets for Monday night's game against the Niners were going at below face value. Plummeting. Plummeting. No Jimmy Garoppolo Monday night head up against the Brewers and the Dodgers. Oh. Yeah, that's uh that's something right there. So I, I think you should probably you should probably have a midnight conversion before Friday's game one. And you should come out and say, I've figured out how the Brewers are going to win this thing. And then do a quick reveal. Do a, do a flipperino on Ooh. your show. Because I think, Drew, it doesn't pay to be right. And you may be right. The Dodgers are going to win this one in six. Yeah. I think you should go full homer. Okay. I, I can Full homer. Sincerity? I can fake that. <laughs> Sincerity. <laughs> I can fake that. Uh, other baseball news. This uh, podcast is going to be like baseball five-way uh, Thursday. Oh, then you're going to get a lot of complaints from people who don't like, you know, they're not going to pay for the football podcast because right. you didn't talk too much baseball. Today. Yeah, exactly. But they can go fuck themselves because it's baseball season and I love baseball in October and there's so much good stuff to talk about. The Yankees are now out. Boston beat them down as I think we all expected they would. They were clearly the better team. They are an insanely loaded team. Yeah. And I'm watching last night Craig Kimbrell work and I'm thinking to myself, that pose he strikes, hanging his arm like some kind of weird animal right before he goes into his delivery, Drew, that is one of the most badass things I've ever seen in baseball. It's so fucking intimidating. Where did that come from with Craig Kimbrell? I haven't the foggiest. I've met Craig Kimbrell a couple of times. Never had occasion to ask him okay. where that, that funk came from. And and, and obviously the, the, the beard... And the fact that his stuff is filthy, that he's got a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and a slider that is pretty much a wipeout slider. Don't they call it a wipeout? He had had trouble with it yesterday, last night. He had some trouble. He did. He he was grinding away, but he got it done. Yeah. Apparently, he used to keep his arm behind his back, but that was too painful. Really? Yeah. How how is it better that he hangs his arm as if it were on uh, a clothesline Right before he pitches. Yeah. Well, I mean. Here's he, what he said. I just Googled this. Yeah. Kimbrell, this is when he was with the Braves, by the way. I've always been over to take the sign. I've always had my arm behind my back. Uh, but then it was 2010. It got to where it was a little uncomfortable to put my arm behind my back. <laughs> what has he got? Ball player stiffness going on. But I still yeah. wanted to lean over to take my sign. So I started letting it dangle. I guess it kind of made its way up. And now I kind of look like I'm bear-hugging something now. It's not something I thought I'm going to do this every uh, pitch, but it's something that's been working, so I don't plan on changing it anytime soon. Well, that's a ball player for you, Drew. Well, Superstitious. Yeah, and they all are. But And some guys accuse him of, like, flexing. Really? And other guys say, like, how many shitty relievers do you see with a, an approach like that? That the the better you pitch and the better your results, the more pronounced it became the more flamboyant you're allowed to be. Yeah. The more uh, charismatic, the more, just the more in yeah. it's uh, success leads to cockiness, perhaps. I guess so. Of course, this picture I'm looking of uh, Kimbrell with the Braves, he's clean shaven and he doesn't look nearly as badass. That yeah. big orange yeah. beard of his is badass. One thing I did hear about Kimbrell though, was that he didn't realize he says he didn't like realize it. And then someone showed him a picture of what he looked like. He's and, like, oh, and he's Jesus. like, oh, I guess I'll do, I guess I, I, I'll make that he's my like, thing. He, he like didn't realize he was doing it. It was just, you know, his way of getting ready to take the sign and get ready to throw. But he, 
He said, oh, man. You know what it looks like? It looks like an animal that puffs out its feathers or puff out, puffs out its gills. Like an animal that will make itself look larger right before striking. Yeah. That's what it looks like Puffer to me. Pufferfish or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So who do you like in the Astros-Red Sox series? That should be oh. a absolute brawl. Knockdown, drag out. I'm... I probably like the Astros, but this that has the makings of a seven gamer. Yeah, yeah, they're I'd, both really good teams. They're, they're just ridiculous. both teams are insanely loaded when you look at all of their assets. You're like, how do they get this many great ball players? And in the case of the Astros, they got it by losing a lot of games over three straight seasons, and then bo- doing really well with their farm system to get these guys and bring them up. And I think they splurge for you a few guys as well. Uh, the Red Sox splurge for a bit more guys because their payroll is astronomical. But they're a great team, both great teams. Yeah, the Yankees are pretty good too. I mean, they didn't they didn't embarrass themselves, I don't think, by losing the series. Uh, Aaron Boone's getting crushed in well, some yeah. circles for leaving Sabathia out there to his doom. But well, and the night before too. Yeah. Uh, uh, leaving, uh, what's his name out there, who warmed up like 10 minutes before the game. Yeah, Severino. Severino, and, and said, oh, no, I always do that. How long should you be warming up if you're a starting pitcher in a major league park? Oh, I mean, you usually see them walk out there 45 minutes or an hour before the game. Yeah, more yeah. than 10 minutes would more be More than the, 10 minutes, generally, yeah. Would be the answer on that. Okay, tonight the uh, Capitals and Bud Light here in D.C. are giving away a shirt, Drew with a logo printed on the inside belly of the shirt, upside down, so that when you pull the shirt up over your face, it says, let's go caps with the logo. (laughs) This is for one reason and one reason only, because at the championship parade, TJ Oshie poured a beer through his T-shirt. In essence, he waterboarded himself with a beer, and it became a thing here in D.C., and now Bud Light is giving out special shirts that have a logo inside on the belly portion of the shirt upside down. Your thoughts. As a beer drinker, your thoughts. Um, brilliant cash-in. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Genius. Brilliant way to cash in and be aware. That's fantastic. Way to brilliant. connect. I have not tried this. Brilliant. I have not tried this myself. I don't see how it could be enjoyable. To essentially no. waterboard your own self with a beer, but he did it, proving that it's an ingenious way to drink a beer. Of all the stunt ways to drink a beer, what are some of the least enjoyable? Like keg stands, through the beer nose. bongs, through the nose, <laughs> uh, shotgunning, shoe gunning. Uh, how about beer helmets with straws? You ever oh, see those? Yeah, absolutely. Awful, right? I've never, I've never tried one. I don't think I want to. A, I don't want my beer coming through a straw. B, those cans are sitting on top of your head getting hot. Getting hot as you're standing out there at a tailgate. Yeah, no, no thanks. That is not the – and it's not a device that professional tailgaters – it's a novelty quirk, right. look at me thing. Have you done keg stands in college? We never really did, no. Okay. no. Uh, how about beer bongs? We didn't have a uh, – I went to a college that didn't have a football team. So, therefore – what college you go to? Stuff. University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. Oh, that's right, UW. Urban University, right here in Milwaukee. Yeah, and it was we didn't have a football team, and we didn't do. I'm not a good day drinker. It's all about your environment because we didn't have a football team, and the bars were open until 3:30 on weekends. Like we, it was a different 
different experience. Uh, how about uh, beer beer bonging? Uh, done that in high school. Not a huge yeah. fan. I've seen at the University of Wisconsin the massive two-story beer oh, yeah. bong. What's that all about? You know, just uh, probably engineering students looking for ways to get fucked up and draw attention to themselves. Isn't it? I, I'm going to sound like a total pussy asking this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Isn't it dangerous to send that much beer down your throat at such a high velocity? Hey, do you see the videos now of kids like chugging bottles of Fireball and vodka and stuff? How smart is that? What? You haven't seen? It's like chugging the new thing. Fireball. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like the scene in, I think it was iced tea or Coke, but when Belushi grabs the Jack Daniels bottle when they throw yes, it to him yes, yes. and he chugs it, yeah. there's kids doing that. Oh, that's Just good. look for videos. Yeah, that's yeah good. alcohol that's good. poisoning's good. Yeah, it's a good way to go right into a coma, basically. Pretty so, much, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more before we get to fuck that guy. The Athletic is running a series, Drew, asking uh, some of their writers to write about the worst team they have ever covered on the beat. If you were to write about the worst team you ever covered on the beat, who would that team be? What year? Early, early on, late, maybe even late 80s, I covered the Milwaukee Admirals, the AAA team of the National Predators now, back then. And they lost, I think, at one point, 16 or 18 games in a row. (laughs) How'd you write those leads? Oh, man. I just remember when they finally won, the lead was, it's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Thank God it's now yeah. over. Covered the Brewers' 106-loss team, the worst team in franchise history, so that would have to be it. Wow. 106 losses. And how did you – Because you was have it? to be really freaking bad. Like, 100 losses is the – Is the, the benchmark for the benchmark you suck. Of, yeah, yeah, of course. 106 you. is, oh, we gave it an extra oomph. We gave it an extra week of losing on top of the hundred losses. Yeah. Who they, did you Who did you draft out of that the following year, off your hundred losses? Because that's the new model for getting good in baseball is to lose a hundred a couple years in a row and, and then get the say, top pick. Yeah. And then try. Yeah. It's funny too because as they were breaking camp uh, that year, it was two thousand two. I think. Uh, no, I take that back. Yeah, two thousand two. Uh, they were 56 and 106. As they were breaking camp that year, I asked one of my buddies who's a, a scout, National League scout, I said, man, this team is really bad. Do you think they could lose 100? He said, 100? They're going to lose 100 with an option on 110. <laughs> an option on 110. And they lost 106. He was they not sure wrong. Did. And that was in March that he, he told me that. All right, here we go. You ready? Let's I'm do ready. this thing. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, here we go. Who deserves your fuck that guy for the week, Drew? Sometimes I struggle to come up with a fuck that guy because I'm in a good mood and not many people have pissed me off. This week, the cup runneth over, Zabe. All right. I was going to tee up Josh Norman and Michael Thomas. All right. Fuck both of those guys. Couldn't they, they're not worth it though. I was gonna tee up Bob Costas, who's one of my heroes. He screwed up everything in the Sunday game with Jim Cott. But I was gonna tee up the the executives who foisted them on the public. All right, when they've lost their fastball. All right, but so this is these are all guys that actually didn't make the cut. Preliminaries. It was, it was such a robust week 
Yes. Drew is saying, nope, didn't make the cut. Didn't make the These cut. are the also receiving votes category. Exactly. Also receiving votes. My fuck that guy this week, and he could be on the fuck that guy, Mount Rushmore. Major League Baseball umpire, Angel Hernandez. Why is he so bad? You suck at your job so badly, and then you come at it with an attitude and a swagger that's completely unfounded and undeserved, and you're suing your employer for not giving you better assignments, but you're not getting better assignments because you suck at the job and are consistently rated as the worst of the worst. Is Fuck he worse? Guy. Is he worse than CB Bruckner? Yes. yes. Wow. Okay. He's well. There, there's. I always say that when there's something a dust up with an umpire, somebody says an umpire really screwed something up. There's four guys on the list. All right, you, who are you're they? Generally, going to be right. Angel Hernandez, CB Bruckner. CB Buckner is really bad. It used to be Buck and Bob Davidson, who now retired. He he once threw out a, a fan. Hunter Carter had to put Balking it past. Bob Davidson. Bob Davidson would call box and call everything. They called him Balk and Bob. He was the guy. He once ejected a hitter, a pitcher, um, a manager, like and a fan. From a Brewers game at Harder Court, wrote that, that he ejected for the cycle. Eject for the cycle. That's like Steve <laughs> yes. Javi in the NBA. He once ejected a mascot for the Wizards. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then Joe West, Cowboy Joe West, Cowboy is Joe pretty West. bad too. So, I don't know why baseball but, keeps giving him plum assignments. Maybe well, they that, think that's going to help their lawsuit. They geared up, yeah. After he sued him uh, last summer, he he then got some plum assignments. But he's just so bad. He's universally regarded and loathed by players, coaches, managers, broadcasters, everybody. Angel right. Hernandez, fuck that guy. My fuck that guy goes to whoever at the university, at Ohio State University, who decided this was a good idea. Ohio State has announced it will build an e-sports arena with spots for up to 80 gamers at once as part of a new commitment to comprehensive study of the school's medical center studying the body and brains of gamers. Oh, the brains of gamers. Oh, that's great. I know what the body's made of. Microwave burritos and Mountain Dew. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Oh, boy. All right, Drew Olson can be heard on the iHeart app, also in Milwaukee on the Big 920. He can be followed on Twitter at... Drew Olson, M-K-E. All right, buddy. Good luck to your brewers. I will talk to you next week. We're going to have some fun. Later. We'll close on this one today. We have had a lot of stories and a lot of incidents recently talking about emotional support pets flying on airplanes. Well, this story takes it to a whole nother level. Apparently, a woman flying on Frontier Airlines from Orlando to Cleveland had to be forcibly deplaned because the crack staff at Frontier did not know that she had a emotional support squirrel on her person when she boarded the plane. <laughs> wow. They had to deplane every passenger on board, get the police to come, get the woman to sit in a wheelchair to wheel her fat, old, crazy ass out of the airplane, and it delayed the flight almost two hours. Now, this is punishment on many levels if you were a passenger on this flight. Punishment number one is you're flying Frontier Airlines. Good luck to you, sir or ma'am. It's about as bad of an experience as you can get in the air. 
Number two, you're going to Cleveland where the weather is starting to turn and the Indians have just been eliminated. Yes, you, you know, you got Baker Mayfield and the Browns kind of getting the city excited, but you're going to Cleveland, so that's number two. And number three is you're delayed as some crazy-ass woman and her squirrel has to be deplaned. I just want to know, you know, we all go through airport security and they make us take off our shoes and they make me take off my ball cap and they make me take off a light windbreaker going through security. And I'm like, why am I going through a metal detector? Why am I standing here with my hands above my head for a proton particle scan, a machine that probably cost $150,000, and you're saying my lightweight cutterbuck pullover is going to foil me having a bazooka underneath? Okay, great. Thanks. Appreciate that. And then, you know, you may still trigger something, and they've got to pull you aside. And then they and then they give you the pat down, or God forbid they give you the, the chemical swab. Let me swab your hands here. What's going on? They couldn't find a fucking squirrel on this crazy woman when she went through security. Or worse yet, they found the squirrel, and they let the squirrel go through, thinking, well, you know what? There might be an airline that allows pet squirrels on board. And of course, the woman, after inconveniencing an entire plane load of people, was so classy after being wheeled out in her wheelchair, saying to one woman, uh, shut up, bitch, and then launching the one-finger salute. Caught on video, vertical video, of course. Maybe maybe people that are that emotionally fragile should not fly. Oh, I know, I'm going to get angry letters. You have no idea. People have anxiety. People have a right to fly around the country. No, actually, they don't have a right to fly. That's not in the Bill of Rights. That's a a privilege and something that if you can't handle it for whatever reason, there are trains, there are cars, and there is Skype. You don't have a right to fly, and you really shouldn't inconvenience 150 other people with your goddamn squirrel. All right, that'll end it for today. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends if you can. Premium Zabe comes your way tomorrow morning at O-Dark 30 for football five ways Friday. Only $4.99 a month. I appreciate the support. Now go get ready to sell some blood for money so you can bet my lock of the week, which it'll come home, and I'll be 6-0. and oh, And we will see you next time. Wake me.